thanks everyone thank you guys for for joining uh i'll just give us a little intro and then i'll pass it off to you guys to to give us some information about who you are and and what you're doing you know i think the narrative for a while now especially through the the most recent you know bear market has been that gaming is going to be the the savior right the 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 way to bring us out of the bear and to onboard the next you know millions of users to web3 technology and tools um i you know i don't think i want to get into whether or not that's you know correct or incorrect i think the reality is it's going to be a lot of different factors but gaming of course presents a, a myriad of opportunities and avenues for utilizing uh, Web3 technology, especially when you get into asset ownership, um, liquidity, things like that, that and interoperability that you didn't have previously with just legacy Web2 games. Um, so really excited for this group uh, and for this session. So why don't I um, hand it off and you guys can give a little bit of um, a little bit of your intros and bios uh, and what your companies are doing. Cool. Now start. Thanks, Jake. Um, my name's Kanan Linder. Um, I'm based in California, the Bay Area. A uh, little bit about myself. I'm the CEO of Stardust. I have been now in the blockchain space with Stardust for about seven years. Um, before this, I was a software engineer at Bloomberg in New York, um, and it happened across uh, NFTs, actually CryptoKitties switched to the game side, said, uh, there's no great way for game developers to integrate NFTs in games. And that was the start of the last seven years of being in this industry that changes day by day. And, and so quickly, it's hard to keep up. Um, what we do today is help game developers be successful in Web3. And that means a lot more than just infrastructure, but also a complete growth engine. And so we're working with some of the largest developers uh, like Tilting Point and Stillfront, who are billion dollar Web2 publishers um, in the mobile space, all the way up to some of the games you know, like uh, Have a Hotel and Midnight Society in Web3 and a couple other very big games and announcements coming shortly. Um, that's a little bit about myself and I'll uh, leave it over to some of the others to introduce themselves. Awesome. <clears throat> I'm Kevin Beauregard. I'm the founder and CEO of Planet Atmos. Uh, I've been in the Web3 space or since before it was called Web3. It's been a little over a decade now for me. Um, but uh, at Planet Atmos, we're a Web3 game studio. We're building a series of connected games and media all around our own IP and all around what we call the principles of sport but building really around story, spectacle, and competition, and building around multiplayer first experiences and building to drive spectatorship and fandom by delivering a best-in-class competitive experience. Um, you know, really, really excited to be here today. Thanks to Redbeard for having us and uh, pass it off to whoever's next. Well, I take it over. Uh, Jan Rosner, thanks also for having me. This is great to be here. Exciting topic, definitely. I'm the co-founder and CEO of One Earth Rising. Uh, my background, I'm based here in New York City, originally from Germany. Background is in the game development space. So we built indie games for PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, Xbox, and saw the opportunity really in building now infrastructure and tool sets for game developers to provide real means of interoperability 
And the foundation for that is what we call ownable game assets, which allows us to package all necessary metadata into one file, provide an ownership to the users, and make them interoperable between platforms, games, and developers. But at the same time, also providing the owners with a very simple solution to then hold these game assets in their user accounts. But they're really with a goal that Web3 users in the end don't really have uh, knowledge about using Web3 technology, it just works. It's in your user account, you hold it, you use it, you play with it, you can exchange it like you would do with any other asset that is not digital. So that's the goal here to enable really fruitful marketplaces, engagement and interoperability for the future of metaverses and games alike. Cool. Uh, hey, my name is Braden Batumbakal. I go by ArcDev typically on Twitter. Um, I'm the founder of Hytopia, but before that I've been building companies, startups for the last 12 years have built pretty scalable or scaled things in mobile to e-commerce to games. Um, and uh, yeah, we're building Hytopia now. Um, we are focused on the intersection of building creator tooling and platforms like Roblox, but with the nostalgic uh, feel uh, and ethos of a game like Minecraft. So you can think voxelized Roblox, basically. Uh, we're using blockchain to underpin the uh, creator to player and player to player economies. So player to player trading, in-game marketplaces, content sales, scarce assets, things like that. And we see a lot of opportunities specifically on the front of being able to capture uh, royalties and fees on secondary transactions where traditionally and historically hasn't been the easiest thing in regular games. And also being able to do that with USDC hasn't been possible because of custody requirements and blockchain gets around that. So yeah, that's where we're interested. Awesome. Uh, thanks for, for all those intros. So I've got some questions that I'll throw out uh, for each of you, but definitely if you have some thoughts, don't hesitate to, to chime in. Uh, hopefully we, this will be a little bit more conversational and, and than just me going one by one, sending you guys some questions. So, but the first one I'll, I'll direct to Jan. Uh, you know, I think one of the, the big areas in terms of the application of whether in gaming and a lot of you guys sort of touch on it is around the monetization um, and the, you know, how can you incorporate um, purchasing and asset ownership and transfer of assets and all of that, you know, what, what do you see just in terms of the admin of the advent of new web three technologies? Like how do you see that impacting or changing the landscape with games and how those opportunities sort of present themselves for investors? Yeah, thank you for the question, Jake. That's great. Um, I think, you know, when we when we look historically, what we've seen in the past was the majority was like speculative exchanges. So you had assets that were sold to also you know, basically fund the game or build some some um, scarcity around uh, on some of these uh, collectible assets. I think what we'll see in the future here now, and this is where, you know, our, our goal is to build the interoperable commerce platform for the creator economy. And I know that's a that's a mouthful, but so into breaking this down, meaning that you know we we are interested in moving away from the high priced models around NFTs or how we call them OGAs, ownable game assets, and really have microtransactions also happening in that space where you own an asset, you own the full game asset, so real. 
the, the full fleshed out asset that can be rendered digitally uh, displayed and put into a game environment and transfer that to somebody else. So that's the first step, right? You're playing up your character, you level it up, you're done with the game, you just sell it to a buddy like you would back in the days when you bought a DVD or a, a cartridge. So similar to that, you can just resell. But from a monetization standpoint, when we see further in the future, we're excited about actually new concept of, game, of games where the game layer one is basically the foundation and user-generated content is then be added to that where other IP can be added to the game experience. And then game developers can allow some of these assets be um, associated with their games, be put and transferred into their games we foresee like a, a, in the future a system almost like a toll system you're taking here the Washington Bridge going to New Jersey and you're just paying your toll while you're going in there. That can happen from game to game. That can happen from platform to platform in microtransactions and blockchain makes that possible. So that's where we're excited about. And looking at IP, I mean, there's so much wonderful IP out there that we'll probably never see the light of day in terms of its own game. But it could be added, Could cool characters could be added into existing games and just build these worlds out further, further beyond than maybe even the developer had imagined. Yeah, and, and to build off that, a lot of people don't realize that gaming is very, very low margin business, especially on mobile. Um, you know, we hear about these games like Pal Worlds and, you know, Monopoly Go from Scopely and obviously CSGO and Fortnite. And these are the games that are, you know, once once in a generation games, right? Once once every 10 years, you see a success of this magnitude. But the average game is is not built on those margins. And it can get as low as like 5 to 10% is honestly like a great return on a game across $100 million in ad spend. And that is atrocious. Um coming from obviously the SaaS world in, in which we all all live in. And so to, to Jan's point and also to, to ArcDev's point as well on um, reclaiming secondary market royalties and bridging from one ecosystem to another and potentially paying a small fee there, right? Um, and even back to Jake's point on new uh, kind of monetization methods and royalty streams and of course payment methods as, as Apple opens up their 30%. This represents a huge lift in gaming um, you know, minus NFTs, but in actually allowing game developers to build sustainable economies, sustainable games and making livings because the average game developer, unfortunately, an average game is not very successful. And this and, and blockchain technology and this advent of a new era of gaming has the opportunity to change that. I think you you hit a, you hit a good word there, right? Sustainable uh, in, in game economies uh, on the whole. And I think, you know, when you think about Economies where users or participants have property rights and economies where they don't, right? And that's really what we're talking about here is we're giving property rights to users for the first time in a gaming space and that enables them to do more and that enables us to do more, right? And that enables us to create more content, but it enables those users to also have ownership within an ecosystem and push things forward in the direction that they want. And it really is, I mean, blockchain talks about coordination culture all the time, right? And it's pushing that coordination culture into gaming in a really positive way, but a way that economically benefits both parties or all parties. I do think a lot about too, like what are the implications for even large publishers in the long term and new business models that emerge for games? Like for us, we look a lot at the CSGO marketplace, for example, where it's like $30 billion in trade volume. 
Um, the interesting thing there is like what happens when you get these large scale free to play games in the future where there's ownership around scarce assets and content that's desirable that people own. But then you add like cash trading between players via USDC and whatnot, and then a secondary cut for the publisher of 5% on all those transactions. When you add speculation, ownership, liquidity, and the fee for publishers, does that open up new revenue models and ways to build games? And that's what we're really excited about and curious about, I think. One of the biggest fallacies actually that I see, and this comes from the earliest days in blockchain gaming, is that secondary market hurts primary market. If you go back to the earliest days actually of GameStop, right? No, not financial advice, but back to the earliest days of GameStop, right? In 2006, they actually pioneered second selling secondary games on their shelves. Um, yeah. And Sony and everybody else you know, revolted. They're like, what's going on? And there was a big study commissioned and it actually found that players were more willing to buy original copies of the game should they be able to resell them on secondary at GameStop. And it actually was very healthy for the primary market because most people still wanted an original copy of the game and not a secondary. And it actually boosted sales, not only a primary, but also secondary. And so I think there's a lot of fallacies going around because it's, it's scary, right? That, um, you know, if secondary exists, primary won't. Uh, but um, I think that's a counterintuitive and we've actually seen it before, especially in the gaming space. And you have seen it also in so many other normal market spaces. I mean, just who, how many people would buy a car if they never could resell it? And how big is the secondary car market, right? I mean, it's, it's so obvious that there is a market where people would go into the actual game in a lower selling price and just have a lower entry of, of uh, a barrier of entry here from a price point. Totally agree. It also fosters that, that development of, of, you as a entity within an ecosystem, right? That idea that, you know, at the point where I'm done with something that I can, you know, if I were to use sports equipment as an analogy, right? If I stopped playing ice hockey, I can at least get rid of my helmet and hockey sticks, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's like a, the bare minimum that we can offer players of if you're not going to be here anymore, you have some rights to this stuff. Um, so anyways, I know Jake wants to move on to the next topic. Good question, Jake. Good question. <laughs> no, it, I mean, you guys touched on, on really great points. And I think the the concept of games having a finite timeline is something I think if you're coming to this from the Web3 space, right, you've been building or investing in Web3 technology and you, you, you see that, okay, you keep hearing gaming is the, the next big wave. But I think a lot of people might think, okay, is that sort of the like, just kind of like perpetual, like mobile first type games, you know, sort of the like, you're like, uh, like Farmville's, right? Like, um, is it that type of game or the like UGC type game that's more in the vein of like a Roblox type experience? Or are we... Are we also talking about the sort of the AAA type games? And are we talking about games that are built around like a framed narrative that have a beginning and end? Because that also changes the like, it's a very different audience and a very different user base. And I think it kind of gets to this question that I have of like, when do we stop talking about Web 3 games or versus Web 2 games? And it's just gaming and this these tool sets that we have in technology, it becomes sort of, native to it and are just sort of operating behind the scenes and is that does that is that 
have to come from the technology or does that have to come from the games, right? Like, is it a chicken or egg kind of scenario? And I guess I'll throw that one to uh, Kanan if you want to start and then. Sure. Sure. I'm, I'm happy to, happy to start there. And I think, I think it's undefined how Web3 uh, kind of tackles each different category of gaming, if you will. And, and there are a couple ones, right? We have, you know, obviously multiplayer games, single player games, mobile, console, PC, desktop. There are quite a few genres um, as well as, you know, hyper casual, casual, hardcore type games. There's, you know, any way to slice the pie. <laughs> you can and you will, and, and they have. Um, I think what we've seen is that Web3 really applies to social games, first and foremost. And, and those are more the open world MMO type style games where there's a healthy secondary market, there's healthy competition, um, there's a healthy, shall we say, um, mix of people playing for a little bit more of a financial aspect, uh, while also still playing to earn rewards and climb to the top of leaderboards. Um, and that circular economy is something we're still trying to figure out but I think we've had the most progress on it so far. If you look at games like Axie, where they've been, uh, Pixels, where they are now, um, and you know maybe Mavia for, for where we can be tomorrow, um, you're kind of seeing this healthy mix of um, iteration, iteration, and iteration again, again, again. And in Web2, again, this has all been done before. And um, you know we had a person at our company say this again, again, I think it's so true, is everything old is new again. And it's so true, right? If you remember back uh, from Zynga, right? The first iteration was Mafia Wars, great game. And then the second iteration was Farmville and then Zynga Poker. And, and people started figuring that out again and again and again. Um, we're going to get there. It will take a consistent iteration, but uh, really I think in the Web3 social gaming and, and competitiveness space, we've, we've really found our mark on what is going to be the start of a very good future for, for Web3 gaming. Yeah, would love to jo join um, that, that part here and just chime in with, with Kanan. I think the, the social aspect can also trickle down even into one-on-one -on -one or like single-player games because your, the Web3 technology allows you to build a great community. And really around that community, you can drive engagement with different reward systems that can really bring fans of a single game together, which is incredible, which we don't haven't really seen. I mean, we have seen it in the past, but this now takes it to another level. But um, coming from the traditional gaming space, I have to say that we, uh, as Web3, people really did, did ourselves a disservice talking about Web3 in the way we did in the past, really, and just alienating so many other people around us uh, talking about NFTs, Web3, blockchain, et cetera. So that, you know, nowadays when we bring up the topic, there's many people just turn around, run away screaming. And so that's where we need to just come get to the point. I th think that the biggest success we will have is if we stop talking about three in general. It's just games that work. And we see this happening now with new games that are coming out. Um, Trapnel just uh, announced their, their launch soon and a couple of others in this realm, Godzilla. So there's really cool games, great AAA games that are seeing the light of day that will just take this to another level and see also, I think we'll see a lot of more acceptance from the, the gamers and from the space, even the Web2 space around this. So hopefully very soon we we'll can, can put this all aside and we just talk about games that are amazing that people own. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the ways that I've always approached looking at Web3, the technology in any context, and and my background, I didn't say at the beginning, is originally as a, an IP uh, attorney and film producer, film distributor. So 
integrate utilizing tokenomics for IP management and royalties. And then I also founded a Web3 fantasy sports, fantasy football company. So I've always it's always thinking like how does how do tokens and smart contracts elevate or create a new game experience as opposed to how do we just replace what's currently existing with tokens because you shouldn't tokenize everything right like there are hurdles that come with it but there's got to be a compelling reason for that and so i think i mean i'll uh throw this one to to Braden in terms of like when you're thinking about where the experience and like can go or where you see maybe like 10 years from now what does that experience look like to you yeah it's a good question i mean i think First and foremost, on the the blockchain point, we internally do talk a lot about um, blockchain to us as a technology and not a like consumer facing feature. And it's been marketed as a consumer facing feature so hard to the point that it's a big turnoff to players now. And we like to think more about like what does that enable for new experiences and like player um, interactions that just haven't been possible in the future, as any good new technology should unlock. And so, like when we look to the future, we think about for us is like building a UGC-based games platform akin to Roblox. It's how do we unlock new monetization opportunities for creators through selling scarce assets or loot box or getting secondary royalties on the content and cosmetics they sell? How do we give um, new opportunities for players who are spending you know, maybe hours to tens of hours or more in a given game that has a lot of other players and therefore there's unique demand around the kind of item and content in those ecosystems. And maybe when a player is done, they want to sell those items and be able to offboard, just like, you know, you could sell your hockey gear, like you were giving as an example. I forget which one of you that was, but yeah. Um, I think those are good points as well as what we kind of envision for a future. Um, and just like the interoperable liquidity layer with a marketplace to be able to speculate as a player, if you're interested in that stuff, to be able to seek and have like verifiable recognition of like what cosmetics are the rarest in an ecosystem which have like the most appeal to the players that are after those sorts of things um, and just being able to make a sort of a cohesive experience around all of that for players is kind of how we like to think about the the long term of what we're building and can unlock you also you know you you, you touched on a little bit there right there's there's different archetypes of users and in yep. the in the the you know the web3 gaming space as you know, Jan pointed out is not the greatest way of naming uh, this this uh, a great enterprise, right? We need to evolve that. The, the answer is probably we should have evolved it like yesterday, but you know that that ship has sailed. So we just all have to work together on uh, renaming it going forward and continuing to build good content. But fundamentally, we've got we have we have narrow user archetypes in the Web three space currently. Right. And there are a lot more user archetypes out there that we need to build for and attract. Um, and like, you know, like you were just pointing out, uh, Braden, right. There's, there's that, there's, there are folks that want to play the economic simulator that they specifically, that's the type of game that they're excited about. And then there are folks that don't, and they want to play an FPS or they want to play a MOBA and they want these different experiences. And those users aren't always the same. And, you know, we as content creators have to make sure that we're building content that is appropriate for more than just one of those buckets, right? Um, and I think that's that's a really really important uh, distinction. And as we're as we're building over the next ten years, right, that evolution is going to happen irrespective of us, right? Web three gaming is going to become gaming. The rest of the technology stack is going to make blockchain invisible, but we all have to make decisions along the way that make that happen faster and better. 
Yeah, and and, and building off that, I am um, I have to say I'm a RuneScape player, right? RuneScape has done an incredible job, right? Incredible job, and I think. Um, blurring the lines and giving everybody who wants to play the game a mode in which they can do so successfully. Um, you know, whether it's a Iron Man who, for those of you who aren't familiar with RuneScape, um, can play the game in a social setting alongside everybody else, but can't trade, can't pick up items, um, and, and plays the game by themselves as an Iron Man, but in a virtual environment with everybody else. And, um, you know, there are other people who choose to play the economic half of the game. There are other people who want to play uh, leagues or effectively like one, two, three month cycles of the game that reset each time. Um, it is a great environment for everybody. And even those who want to gamble have a space in, in Redscape as well. So um, that's that's kind of an incredible, I think, um, shall I say, you know, uh, game to hold up and look at is what it's done really well and how to really uh, align all of these cohorts in one game, in one environment to be successful. And Quickly back to the original question on kind of design space and blockchain. Again, going back to the internet and just looking at the past, it was 25 years after the internet was actually conceptualized and invented that we had enough bandwidth to be on a platform like this today. And so from the design space, I really look at um, going back from the feature set we want to offer players and understanding how in some form or fashion that can be leveraged with blockchain technology and whether that's not today potentially tomorrow but um i really when we meet game developers who are saying i can't do this because it's too slow i can't do this because i you know the, the latency is too high um to really step back from that and understand the game they want to create what is possible to do now but that those barriers they're finding today with the technology will not be there tomorrow as as the innovation curve improves awesome all right we've got about five minutes left so I'm going to throw this question out for for you guys to, and we can wrap up with it. Um, you know, as you know, this whole summit is being hosted by uh, Redbeard Ventures. A lot of the participants are investors in the Web3 space or emerging technology space. So want to ask uh, as the last question, you know, from an investment perspective, you know, what should investors look for in gaming startups that are leveraging Web3 technology? Note how I specifically didn't say Web3 gaming startups. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to adapt, um, as we all should. And and how would you uh, di differentiate, you know, your companies from others in the space? One, that's a big one. I would love to to start here at just pointing out this from a game developer perspective, and uh, that's why I said earlier. Also, I love seeing what's happening now in the space. The games need to be fun. Right. So, and this is my personal opinion. Hopefully, I don't offend anyone with this. So, play to earn is not a concept for me that makes any sense from a gamer's perspective. Right. If you pay somebody who plays video games, then uh, you, they're your your employees, not your customers, and that's not a sustainable business model. Knowing that games have made a lot of money with this. However, so that is one of the perspectives that I've seen. So, definitely look at the games themselves what's the storyline really as any web2 game investor would look at from the technology point of view we would say i mean obviously you know uh, coming from from our side here that the ease of use is a key element here for developers also knowing how developers work in the gaming space 
making the tools innovative and but also intuitive, meaning that you don't have to go through a steep learning curve to apply them in your game development process. As we all know, software developers, game developers, we, we don't like to learn new tools or even change the tools that we're using already. So that's where you know we we specifically also uh, highlighted that in our approach, building a wrapper around existing standards to allow this to apply to developers and they don't have to learn something new. That's our approach, it's our philosophy. And I think that's a that's a good advice. And I know that here, uh, especially also Stardust has the same approach in, in providing this to their, to their users. At the end of the day, blockchain is technology, right? It is not the thing that should be front and center in any application. It's actually kind of a bad database. It's really good for provenance. And so at the end of the day, it's about using it appropriately and you know, from an investment perspective, seeing companies that are using it appropriately and using it as a net benefit for users. Uh, and not as, you know, I, I, I love that point about play to earn, right? Play to earn is just inflation infinity times infinity, right? It is just, that's all it is. It, it is it is the most unsustainable thing that you could do and it can't possibly work. Uh, and so, you know, from a, from a, you know, from that perspective, right? Web3 has to be invisible. We have to progress down that path. Um, and, and, you know, we shouldn't, we almost shouldn't be talking about it at all because we should be talking about the amazing content and technology and infrastructure that all of us are making, um, you know, and from our perspective, our focus is entirely on fandom and creating those experiences where users can engage and pushing that boundary forward and giving them the rights to do more with the things that they have in our games. And I, and I guess I'll, I'll take it um, from from our perspective in, in Stardust. Um, look, if you want to make not financial advice, if you want to make money in a year, look on Twitter, right? If you want to make money in ten, look at the founder. And I think you know there, there's no right or wrong answer to to how you want to make your money and the best investment for you. I think it all comes down to time horizon, right, and, and risk profile over over different periods of time. Um, I think from the one of the biggest fallacies I see, uh, especially that uh, maybe more traditional investors have, is that AAA games are for some reason better. Um, I don't think that's true at all, especially in Web3. Um, you know, look at Roblox. Look at how fi high fidelity those graphics are compared to some of the biggest shooters. And that's not to say one is right and one is wrong. And there's space for all of them. But definitely don't write off a game because it's you know pixelated or 2D or or any or even a platformer or anything like that. From from Stardust's perspective, um, we take a long term vision. We want to be here in 10 to 15 years. Right, that the cash out. Um, you know, of play to earn and just, you know, the hype and, and you know, that, that doesn't really um, align with our model and what we want to do, which is creating a sustainable way for Web 2, Web 3 gaming, as we say here, right, developers to come together and, and build the future of this industry. Um, I think, yeah, just to add two cents from the Hytopia side, um, we think a lot about, like, games uh, building in the Web3 space should be survivable and even able to thrive without any Web3 elements if you were to take all of that stuff out. Um, you know, like the, the core gameplay loop and everything that's fun that would just by itself work should be the foundation and Web3 is the, the cherry on top that unlocks a little bit more that uh, either opens up new business opportunities or otherwise. Um, and then when looking at games, like we think about this from our perspective where 
like any business, like there should be a fundamental underserved customer problem that's being solved, um, which may not be true for every game, but in our case it is. Like with Hytopia, the Minecraft ecosystem we piggybacked of, of pretty hard because the creator space there is very underserved. They can't monetize it all and they've been craving a way to monetize for years. They're also creatively limited because the platform and just creative constraints around the developer tooling there. And so that's how we've onboarded 3,000 plus of the biggest creators waiting for the platform to launch on Hytopia already. Uh, and players are stagnant with the content available to them and have been waiting for something new. So like that's a, hey, there's a problem here, let's solve it. And then the Web3 gets added on top for some more unlocks. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you all for, for joining the panel today. This was great. Really appreciate it. Uh, and definitely, you know, stick around in the chat and uh, networking and everyone who's watching, feel free to reach out to, to all the panelists if you have any additional questions. Thank you, Jake. It was great. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you all. This has been a Redbeard Ventures production.